When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Today's theme is individuals making selfish, uh, short-term decisions for themselves that screw everybody else. And you had brought something else that I wasn't going to bring up. Oh, well, I'm doing this. So I'm doing this video on Elon Musk, and I was just trying to find his latest thing on Joe Rogan, and you can't find it on YouTube, and it sucks. It sucks that it's not (laughs) YouTube anymore. And I had already written in my notes from before, someone sent me weeks ago a Joe Rogan podcast. So like, you should listen to this episode. You're going to really like it. And I clicked the link and Spotify took me to a different episode and then I couldn't find the right episode. And it's just a worse, in my opinion, it's just a worse experience for the user than if it had stayed on YouTube. And that sucks. And I, I, I use the word screw when I was saying this. This isn't an example that I was going to give because it's just uh, less convenient, I think, for most. Joe no, Rogan do you listeners. listen? It's your show. I'm not mad yeah, at yeah. Joe. I was just saying as a Joe Rogan listener. This is a downgrade, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So so what I was thinking, I had a handful of things. I was thinking about Daniel Schmachtenberger, who I almost just put up a community post and said, don't listen to us this week. Listen to this guy's videos because he's way more coherent and well thought out mm. in terms of all of the things that we say. He's very meta in his analysis of the news and what's going on. Is he scripted or just smarter? Just more well thought out and probably smarter. Interesting. Uh, I don't know if he's smarter is the truth. Uh, he's he's definitely a better speaker in the places that I've seen him. He's got a, I don't mean this pejoratively, a shtick that he can run through that is so clear and so concise mm. and gives the perfect examples when needed. It can be a little bit heady at times. But what he talks about that were a handful of things. He talks about how... There are tragedy of the commons, how there are arms races, which are essentially the situations where the system forces individual actors who might not want to race towards nuclear destruction when they're acting in their own best interest to move towards nuclear armament. Because Mm -hmm. if you don't, and there's 20 countries and 19 of them don't, but one does, well, guess what? Now everybody has to because all of a sudden you're in trouble. What was the example we were just talking about on the roof the other day that was this? We might have been talking about YouTube titles and thumbnails. That's what I've been thinking about. I don't remember. He talks a lot about information ecology and basically lying does this. So marketing. So we would love to live in a world where everyone just said what their product did and they made no promises. They didn't worry about marketing or even telling stories. Yeah, no, no one said this is the world's best piece of pizza. Yes. They didn't even like we do. They didn't even tell a story and try to engage you in that way. They just said, this is what it is. This is what it does. And in a world like that, where everyone did the same thing and had the same non-marketing, you could actually make really good decisions about what you wanted to buy because Mm -hmm. everything would, to the best of that person's ability, be represented as exactly what it could do for you and you would make that decision. But as soon as one person does something that's not that bad. Like they put it in story format. They say, you know, when I was a young guy, well, all of a sudden now everyone needs to learn how to tell a story Mm -hmm. in order to sell a product. And what quickly happens is that it devolves to, you make $10,000 a day without even having to work. Now guys on YouTube are giving away businesses. This is exactly like the business that I used to make a million dollars a year. It's just going to cost you $50. And I'm just going to give you this entire Shopify store. You haven't seen this? No, no. It's ludicrous. But apparently there's people out there that continue to to buy these sorts of things yeah. is judged by the fact that they're running ads to them and apparently spending money on it. But yeah, it made me think about titles and how some of the videos that I wish we could just describe is like five things Chris Pratt does that are likable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but instead it's gotta be like how to instantly, and, and, and we're guilty of this, instantly I think we overuse because 
it's not nothing is instantaneous it at least takes a second yeah. or it takes a minute or it takes some amount of time that is not instantaneous so the world instantly has been corrupted uh, and we've participated in that and he just talks about how you're kind of screwed because if you want to not play the game and put out say in our case a charisma video that perfectly accurately describes what's in it you will get beat by the person who does that yeah and then no one will see your video no one will get your information well elon musk would disagree go ahead well elaborate elon doesn't spend money on advertising he doesn't market the tesla he doesn't run mm -hmm. ads for it to, to my understanding at least that's his claim in the videos i've seen mm. he focuses on product he, he puts money into r d he tries to get the best machine and his thinking is if i make the best car in the world our business will be a success. Mm -hmm. and so he always frames a business. He says a business is a group of talented people getting together to provide a good or service. And that's his core focus. So he's an anomaly, but he seems to think that it's advantageous that other people are wasting money on marketing. Sure. I think that he definitely leans towards product first, no question. But there is a Tesla store on the promenade, mm -hmm. which is not where you sell the most Teslas. So sure, to say sure. that they spend no money on marketing I don't think it's true. I yeah, yeah. I mean, he also does his shtick where he hits a car with a sledgehammer yeah. and throws a steel ball. Exactly. At it. So I don't know what that counts as. So he but. can. So he might not do a lot of traditional marketing, but yeah, there are things that are that go beyond. This is what the car does. Yada yada yada. Here's how it affects the environment. So this guy talks a lot about limbic hijacking, and I was thinking about this in terms of TikTok because we are having people take some of our videos and put them on TikTok, and his idea of social media is. Similar to survival of the fittest in the wild, where what keeps you alive is not, are you kind? It's like, can you get enough calories and make sure that you reproduce? Sure. And if that means that you have to like lay your parasitic eggs in the eyes of your host and they explode <laughs> out, like that's a great strategy sure. as long as it works, basically. So social media has a similar as long as it works type thing going on, which is whatever gets people to maximize time on site. And that's not healthy stuff often. It's mm -hmm. stuff that hijacks your emotional brain because nobody wants to be online all day if they think about it like yeah. as soon as you go rational you get off so it hijacks you emotionally it pisses you off it makes you cry or what one of those emotions that is highly viral uh and has no connection to truth statements so we've talked about somebody who was making claims about how much money certain entrepreneurs are making mm. and they're off and they know it by a factor of 10x or more like yeah, how this person makes whatever amount of money and it's just total total made up numbers but it works better than saying that they than making a more reasonable guess that they would actually bet on if they were in a prediction market or sure. something like that um so we all fall victim to this every one of us who participates in it and it's sad and i've been thinking about tiktok because while youtube isn't perfect comparatively to tiktok i do think that our videos hopefully give value mm -hmm. even though sometimes it's entertaining and then people don't actually go out and become more charismatic but on tiktok i would say it's even worse where it's shrunk down to one minute you're giving these quick advice and the way that you succeed on tiktok is not by uploading one good video once a week it's by uploading quantity and mm -hmm. three videos a day take literally everything take a section of this conversation take me and you walking in the hallway just random shit and throw it at tiktok because it won't ding you when a video doesn't hit and you're just Volume yeah. is what matters. Well, I was talking about this with a friend the other day, actually. For TikTok specifically, I, I think TikTok is probably bad for people's brains. So I want to talk about this later. What is today's cigarettes was a conversation we were having off air mm -hmm. that I want to talk about. It's possible that TikTok's really bad for people, especially when they're developing their brain to just constantly be on this very tight dopamine cycle. And my question was, I think relative to what's on TikTok, Charisma on Command content is probably, and I'm biased, good in the sense that you spend 60 seconds learning something versus watching a 19-year-old dance in a bikini. Yeah. But the platform, I do think the world is probably better off if TikTok just is gone forever. Everyone gets men in black. No one remembers that it existed. It doesn't get reinvented, but we just don't have that this type of short-form platform. Mm -hmm. Probably for the best would be my guess based on my understanding of how dopamine hacking works. And Potentially so, even true of YouTube as well. Potentially you go five minute videos, like learning needs to occur in a longer space as does any enriching activity or, or well, it that's might not my, be shrunk. And again, I don't use TikTok, so someone can tell me I'm wrong. That's not my experience with YouTube. I actually use YouTube to learn jujitsu, to learn surfing, yeah. League of Legends. Like it, it's been helpful for me to have these small bite-sized learnings and then go out in the world and practice. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel about Charisma too. If you watch Charisma on Command, 
for three hours a day every day and you don't interact with the human, you won't get better. But if you watch it, you go, oh, I'm going to work on this. And then you go out in the world and work on it. You, I think you will get better. So that's why I think just from my anecdotal experience, YouTube has been helpful for me for skill acquisition. Um, but I, as it I just just sticking <laughs> on this net all the time in divided by the denominator that YouTube has taken from you as a consumer net positive or not to what you would describe as like happiness in your life or flourishing in if your I life. only watch tutorials or because no, no, of no, the way no, no, I no. use it because of the way that it YouTube you can't divide the tutorials out of yeah, yeah. I don't know what else I watch really I feel like it's been good I, it's not my addiction my addiction uh, Reddit is okay. where I waste more of my time. So for me, I would say I have such a big denominator that it's probably not a good thing in my life. Yeah, well, this is why I don't know anyone you bring up when you bring up like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. donkey. You know, yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, donkey. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know what a donkey is. But that's positive in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that's everyone. I'm not saying my stuff is superior. I just have different stuff. My Got stuff it. is Reddit. Reddit, my life would be better off if I never had encountered what a Reddit was. Mm -hmm. uh, and you had just posted some of our stuff in the early days and used Reddit to launch us, but I... Never was ignorant of it forever yeah. probably for the best but youtube for me i think has been positive got it so so i have a couple questions about this one what should we do given that because I'm, I'm talking to these people well, that was my go. question about tiktok i don't know the answer so he daniel schmachtenberger talks about information ecology and he says one of the ways you can think about it is like ecology which is to say don't pollute which is don't tell lies don't don't have meaningless noise out there and the world won't immediately clean itself up, but mm -hmm. you just don't want to contribute to that. And there's a degree to which just throwing everything on TikTok is noise and it's pollution. And yeah, one in 10 videos does well, but is that even good for people? And of course, behind all of this is the fact that the operating question is not, is this a great video? Is it positively impacting people's lives? I'm not following up with surveys to be like, hey, is your life markedly better off this? It's mm -hmm. just the only data that TikTok cares about. And I, as by proxy of that, is does it get lots of views? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but what if TikTok's a pool of sludge and the rare good content is the life raft that can get people out of TikTok? So this is, I think this is then a question that's that like even advanced spiritual teachers have to ask themselves, which is, okay, I can sit on the mountaintop, which is where the truth is. Mm -hmm. And if you come here and you spend 30 years with me, you'll get it. Or I can descend to the city and have a meditation class, or I can put up meditation class on YouTube and say, this is going to help you focus more on work. Sure. And it's like, Eckhart Tolle wrote a book. <laughs> yeah. Two, two books. Yeah. Um, and that's a question is, is as you get farther and farther from what you would like and what you think is best for people, the message necessarily gets diluted, ne necessarily might even move people away from where you'd like them to go. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. Uh, I agree with you. Probably better than the average TikTok thing, at least in my estimation for what is good for human flourishing. But preferably no one would be on TikTok if <laughs> or maybe and maybe even YouTube if I thought about it deeply. But his his general point is one that I've been thinking about is that in optimizing for what's best for you or us, you can make the world a much better place or much worse place, sorry, based on that. It becomes an arms race of bullshit advice, wasted time on TikTok, uh, fake news, all those sorts of things. And I don't know what to do about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't really have great solutions either. It's fun. I, I don't criticize him for this, but his solution is essentially this really thorough uh, news dissemination that is uh, taken by people without ideology. It doesn't really scale because you have to you have to filter these people tremendously. Mm -hmm. They have to go to all these different sources. They have to show their work. They have to give you background on the India-Pakistan conflict before they can even begin to tell you what happened today. And everything's connected to everything. So you need to understand, you know, politics plus this plus history. And then they'll boil that down to a three to 10 page summary of like one event today with hyperlinks back to every other place. And it's okay. Well, that's that's not going to work for 99.99% sure. of people. Well, yeah, this is, again, this is more, this has nothing to do with TikTok, which I don't know if it can function like this. But for instance, YouTube news, what will rise to the top is hot takes, pick a side and stick to it. Uh, just be a, an aggressive part of your echo chamber. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what we try to do on the podcast is be measured and thoughtful. And we flip to the political spectrum, depending on the issue. Mm -hmm. And it, and we talked about this, it will a guaranteed product of that is that you don't blow up as fast. Mm -hmm. But I think you get a small audience that's thoughtful and 
I don't know. I feel like you can be good for a small group of people yeah. like that. You know, and, and I, when I look at the comments and people say that it's they like this because of that, it helps center them. It helps take them away from all that. It's like, OK, so we won't be the next Ben Shapiro. We won't have the 10 million subscribers, but people who log on to YouTube and see us and like us, this can be good for them as it reminds them, hey, that this guy isn't falling or not everyone is evil on the other side or whatever the lesson yeah. might be. You know what I mean? So I do think that there's value in having a smaller audience than you could possibly have, but producing stuff that you think is good. So I totally agree with you. And the reason that that works for us is because we don't need this podcast to make money. Yeah, yeah. And we've purposely carved out a space that says evolutionary business pressures will not affect this podcast. Yeah. And we have the luxury of doing that because we have this other space where you have to be instantly confident, you know, and you have to, or it has to happen with market pressures on it. Yeah, we still try to make those really good though. I, I agree. Mean, we, could, I'm, dude, I'm, we could easily do two videos a day. No problem. They would be trash in terms of quality. I could even hire someone else to write them. I don't even have to look at it. You want to just tell people to stand up straight and have good eye contact with no nuance? Do it. <laughs> and we'd have 14 videos a week. Instead, we have two a month. So I do yes. think we try to focus on making them good. I mean, it's, it's what I will spend the majority of the week doing. So I don't think it's, even though it's the money-making thing, it's not like money is the, or short-term money is not the God. I think the benefit is we try to think five years out. Yeah. And when you think five years out, you do think what's going to be good for people. Because I need you to like the video enough to come back. It's true. But uh, so let me say this. We are in a not hyper-competitive niche. And I would, we're very good at it. Almost, and I don't mean to compare us because this is a joke. Like Elon Musk is in a hyper-competitive niche, but he's extremely, extremely good at what he does. Like yeah. he he breaks all the rules. If somebody well, his niche is funny too, because is it cars or electric cars? If it's electric cars, it's not, he's like the only one, right? Well, something he's doing is yes, incredible. So take us for instance, if somebody was as good as me and you at making these videos and seeing these things and they added, I'm going to make it, I'm going to crank these out. They'd beat us. Oh, for they'd, sure. They'd overtake us quickly. We're able to be one of the biggest players because there's not that many people. And luckily our product is good enough that it can beat out aggressive marketing from people that don't have quite as good product. And I think I think it seems like Tesla fills a similar space, mm -hmm. which is, look, if, if somebody was tied with us, they'd beat us with marketing. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. just like you, by, by controlling the way that people perceive your product without actually having to go to the product, it's an advantage. Well, yeah, Apple kind of did both, right? That's why they took over the world for a while because mm -hmm. they they tried to make their... I, I bought a PC recently. It is really amazing how clunky they are yeah. relative to Apple. They tr they tried to make it good for users and then they also spent a bunch of money on advertising. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think... Weren't they the biggest company in the world for a while? Yeah. So, because they did both. Yes. So they just crushed everybody. Yes. And so... Uh, I, I don't know exactly what we were saying there, but you, yes, your point was, hey, we, we, we have struck a balance here where we're able to not go to the lowest common denominator. Yeah, Justin gets all the money and Justin is the least greedy person I've ever met. So yeah. we just get to do this uh, kind of money agnostic. So yeah, I guess we're not in the, we're not in the evolution and we're getting beat. We're getting beat by other podcasts that if come we, out. And, if we had to pay rent with this podcast, you would watch it transform. Yeah. You would. Or, or shut down as we or pursue something else we that were, was got bigger. Yeah, no, someone started a podcast at the same time as us and it's 10 times bigger. I get what you're saying. And by the way, Tesla exists because Elon Musk did PayPal yeah. and he had this, this reservoir upon which to sink money into. Sure. So what the like the tighter your pressures are the more that you must play the game mm -hmm. and when you have cushion then you can afford to be quote unquote more ethical more honest take more time well, yeah and space. that's i mean that's why i think so many entrepreneurs move to foreign countries because if you're going to live in new york and be a first-time entrepreneur you have about six months before you run out of money mm -hmm. but if you go to thailand bali brazil now all of a sudden you have five years so you take you can actually make something good mm -hmm. you know what i mean i think that's why people hunt for those longer time frames yeah and and this isn't to say that you're any more wow i was just thinking are you more likely to be ethical in bali than new york and i don't think necessarily that's the case but you're more likely to be ethical when you have more space to fail and not die mm -hmm. is is basically what that is so yeah i don't i don't know what to do about tiktok i'm i had a similar thought as you which is like hey let's just be better than average in in that uh polluted information well there's ecology two. sorry go ahead oh i don't know <laughs> i don't have an answer uh, you would like the priority of everyone on the planet if you could snap your finger to be what's 
best for me and every and everybody. You know, what's best for the whole. Yeah. But you what you have is a bunch of people defecting in the prisoner's dilemma and going, I'm going to optimize for me. I'm going to optimize for me. And it just makes things worse for the collective. Well, I guess the question is, are you bringing people to TikTok or are you assuming every view was going to be viewing something on TikTok? And I don't think we bring anyone to TikTok because I don't think we point anyone to TikTok. We have an email list and a YouTube channel. If we did calls to action to our TikTok, we might be getting new TikTok users, but we only get people who are already on there. So I do think there's a, that's part of the question. So if you universalize that, and you go, you know, am I starting it or am I just participating? Well, it's like, look, if we could all just agree that we weren't going to ask that question and we were just going to go forget it, I'm not mm -hmm. doing it, it would disappear. Sure. And so this is the problem is that if we could coordinate collectively and agree, hey, let's only have titles like this, only have content that we believe is is good. And well, this is why Elon's inventing the Neuralink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because then we'll just be one organism. And then it'll work better. And then so the examples of things that do care about the individual but are subordinate to wholes like your body like the cells in your body are not uh entirely selfless or selfish they're they're each individually trying to survive but also if there's a virus that invades there's there's cells they're just gonna throw themselves at it like drone bees you know mm -hmm. and and die for something larger and it's and humans don't like myself included thinking about if the globe became the organism and we became the cells in well which some case, do i mean some humans throw themselves to their death for the Greater collective. collective, sure, sure. So Maybe that's that's my, definitely part of human. That's part of the human experience. Yeah, yeah. It's part of my uh, individualist American Western upbringing. Is mm -hmm. I don't I don't love that <laughs> idea. Yeah, but it seems to be as you, as you work through what creates these traps. It's that we view ourselves as separate entities where one can get ahead at the expense of another. And cells in your body, it appears, don't have that view. They they need one another, and the individual while important, is subordinate to the sum of the parts. So, I don't know. One of the things on this line, if, unless there's anything else you wanted to say. So, we were, we mentioned NFTs off air. Those yeah, of yeah. you who hasn't heard, I'll give you a little background because I'm not an expert. So, this is going to be a fairly hot take because I don't understand the technology deeply. NFTs are called, they're non-fungible tokens. It's a form of cryptocurrency where uh, each token is unique. And so what you can do with that is you can release limited edition art and you can like it's oh, you mm -hmm. got painting three of 200 and that token is always good for painting three of 200. But it's a digital painting. It's a digital painting. So and anyone can download the painting. Yes. And many of these digital paintings that they have auctions for are gifts or like eight bit paintings. If you think of like uh, Super Nintendo, even before that, that's 16 bit Nintendo graphics, it's like paintings that look like that but just to be clear you own the token rights but you don't actually own the intellectual property like the u.s government doesn't think you own the art in no. the sense that whoever made the art and sold you the nft can still sell me the right to hang it on my wall yes but what they can't do is is i think and this is where i could be wrong like go back and re-release more first editions there's if there's 200 first editions there's 200 first editions. First edition nfts First edition, this particular painting that you did, there's only 200 of them out there. And if you want to release a second edition batch, you can. So more people could get access to it, I think. But it's a way to set up scarcity, mm -hmm. I think, in a digital world is the way that I understand it. And now, for some reason that I don't totally understand, every influencer is getting on this idea of releasing Pokemon cards or artwork or digital drops that our collectors can have where you can buy into these things prices are skyrocketing mm -hmm. from one day to the next they're selling at like you know 300 appreciation and as i looked at it it seems to me that nobody actually wants the art nobody is buying a piece of artwork to hang in their virtual house and keep because they enjoy looking at it mm -hmm. they're all buying it expecting that tomorrow they can sell it at at a higher price sure. it's like the housing crisis in 2008 it's it's appears to be a next biggest fool thing. And I was just arguing with Ivan about this because he's he says that there's value here. I think it's a huge bubble. He kind of agrees. But as far as I understand, when people buy artwork, even for millions of dollars, they're not thinking, oh, this is going to appreciate and I'm going to sell it in five or 10 years. Well, sometimes they are. Sometimes. But there's a, there appears to be enough of, no, I'm going to put this in my home and it's going to stay there. My kids are going to look at it. And their kids are going to look at it. And yes, it'll go up in value or not. But I'm going to look at it is what I'm going to do. And that's the value of it. And I don't, I have a hard time imagining that that's what's driving a lot of the consumption of these NFTs. Yeah. 
so anyway, it seems like we're in an everything bubble. I am not we a are in an everything bubble. My financial advisor sent me something today. Everything is up. Yeah. Crypto is up. Stock market is up. Housing prices are up. He's just put in a bunch of graphs and they <laughs> all go up. It was the most terrifying. I wrote it back and said, this is literally terrifying. It's like, and show me where the entire U.S. economy shut down because of the coronavirus. It's like, oh, yeah. it's right at the inflection point. Where no, and I wrote really him. good. I said, this is terrifying. He goes, yeah, there's another stimulus check coming, though. So it's just going to keep going up. And we both agree, like, it's going to go down at some point. Yeah. We just don't know when. And so what do you do with that information? Yeah. I so don't. yeah, this, this, I don't know anything about NFTs, but this, it seems like they are a symptom of people feeling like they can blow money, basically. That that the, the economy is fine. Food is not scarce for them. They can spend a couple hundred or a couple thousand dollars on something that is speculative and isn't really grounded in even a physical good necessarily. Or desire to did, have that thing. Did someone, some, I, I could be totally wrong because now I'm here saying, someone said that Logan Paul sold an NFT for his the land of his house i don't i don't know I but don't he know. still but but he obviously still owns the land and can sell the land but what you own is the right to say you own the nft i don't really understand it's the unclear mechanic. i don't understand i mean obviously i don't understand yeah. the mechanics of it so i could be totally off here but it it's this all said i'm selling an nft for this microphone so if anyone <laughs> wants to buy the digital rights to this microphone uh contact justin <laughs> it's you one, guys can negotiate you guys can negotiate the price yeah it's it's disappointing to me i've mentioned it in the past but Nobody's asking how they can help. I don't. I just don't see. I see very, very few people solving problems. What's crazy is the world has so many evident problems. It's not like we're at a mm-hmm. shortage of things that people don't need mm-hmm. or desire to improve their quality of life. But it's just so much. If I put a hundred dollars on this today, I can turn around and get two hundred for it tomorrow. And it's very disappointing. It seems like it's taken over the majority of the sources that are entering into my head and brain. Uh, I don't know if that's reflective of what's actually going on in the world or in America, but it's it's not. It's a bummer. I don't I don't have anything other than that because I don't understand NFTs deeply, but it just seems sad. All right. <laughs> you got some stuff? It's an uplifting episode for everyone else to do. Well, yeah, I wanted to just talk about something you said that was really interesting because we we're talking, we've talked in the past about moral atrocities that occurred in the past that were considered normal and then in hindsight you look back and they're obviously bad but what we haven't talked about is health things so back in the day cigarettes everyone smoked them doctors were like yeah these are cool and today you look back you go cigarettes cigarettes how could you be so dumb right cigarettes are obviously bad for you and i think sticking with the trend of we're not at the apex of human morality we're not at the apex of human health understanding what are we doing today that in 100 years, people are just going to look back and go, wow, what morons mm-hmm. that they that they were doing this every single day. I'm going to put my phone over here while I... <laughs> no, no. So, and so I just, I was wondering, so I have some obvious one is vaping, right? Oh, cigarettes are bad, but inhaling, vaping, smoke is not. This seems to me to be something that we'll come to realize was just didn't have enough research on. I think processed food is one that we didn't think about for a long time and then has come out that it links pretty heavily to cancer and heart disease. So I pause real quick just to sort of like because we did discuss this and I think this is one thing that was left out. This is again from Daniel Schmachtenberger. And what he talks about is how after uh, decades of study on cigarettes, we saw that at the end of people's lives, they tended to get more lung cancer. And after decades of study of sugar, we saw that it, it can clog your arteries, cause heart failure. And then so what we did was turn around and invent vaping yesterday and invent what what are the sugar substitutes? Erythritol. Erythritol. And there's stevia. no evidence that those things cause any problems. Right. But of course, you know, so we can say zero sugar or, the, you know, filtered vapes and all you this need, kind of stuff. You need about 50 years of data. No nicotine in your Zin or, or it's pure nicotine in your Zin. No, or no tobacco. tobacco in your Zin. Whatever yeah. it is. With the belief that, oh, because it doesn't have the same thing. And everybody kind of knows if they're being honest and they really think about it that, yeah, you'd need 50 years to do it. And it's very, very similar. So that that's that's why you're saying vaping processed foods, because mm-hmm. now we're going to learn that all of the ingredients that aren't sugar but are this long have the same effects, if not worse ones, in 50 years. Yeah, but there was a couple I thought could could be the case. Cell phones, Bluetooth devices, maybe just social media, because it doesn't cause cancer, but maybe it, the dopamine things cause depression, cause anxiety, like yeah. chronic depression, chronic society-wide anxiety. I don't know what they are, but it's just interesting to think there's something that we oh, all dude. do today 
that's killing us or making us miserable. And we were, are going to look back on it in 60 years and know, but we just don't know what it is. I think it's likely to be stressing about global politics for many people. Sure. So I um, this is a sample size that is obviously anecdotal. I just watched one video. It had three centarians in it, but I did think it was anecdotally interesting. They just talk about them about what's life, you know, at 100. And one woman says, I've always been so lucky. <laughs> she was talking about how lucky she is. And she then casually mentions later, she's like, yeah, you know, it was tough when my dad was a prisoner of war. <laughs> and when my first two daughters died, the twins, that was that was the most devastating part of my life. It's like, wait, wow. lucky? Yeah. Like, but to, to have a life and see, to, to assess it positively, despite what happens, and there were three of them, and they, they all smiled a lot, mm. and they all cracked themselves up, and they were light and laughy and thought that they were blessed despite, like, just random, uh, sounds like you, you know, oh, my life with the one guy, what did he say? It was funny. I have had an easy life even in the war. this dude was in the raf in world war ii yeah it's oh what did he not see action like i sincerely doubt it none of his friends died i doubt it but just to to assess things and maybe this came at the end of his life but well i actually think that sorry go ahead just the just it was it was interesting to see how light smiley grateful and optimistic people who make it to 100 are yeah that that was what i I took. I, I think that entitlement is something that's very common and probably very detrimental. The idea that you are owed a job that you love, that makes you happy every day and enough money to buy everything that you could possibly want. And the, the best designer brands, no matter what your financial situation is, you should have the Yeezys or the Rolex. That's, I think, a new thing. I don't, I don't think that that's um, how people felt post- Great Depression. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some people were just happy to have jobs. And we talked about this before in the cycles. And it's not, it's no one's fault. This is kind of the predictable nature of long-term economic cycles, but it is just something that I think it's not just bad for society, it's bad for you. Yeah. When you're upset that every single thing isn't exactly as you want all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Versus this guy who says, yeah, well, I went to war. It's not what I would have liked to do, but I survived it. Did my friend die? They did. I didn't, I wouldn't have liked for that to happen, but another friend lived. Mm -hmm. That perspective is probably huge for mental health, happiness, longevity. Dude. So the corollary to that, that I felt as I was watching this is it made me realize that I have felt shame at the good things in my life because the culture that we live in, is to put forward, celebrate, give speaking rights to difficulties. You know, Mm. like if something has been hard or difficult, you are a more valued voice. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And so it is, uh, I think, without me having thought about it, made me less likely. And eat when it, simple things, like I'll be like, look, as so, you know, I, I was lucky. And it's like, my hands go up. Like, I'm sorry. I apologize. I uh, didn't get beat when I was little. I'm so sorry. As opposed to the way that he discussed it, these guys, and they did have tough lives where they were so proud of their, the good things mm-hmm. in their life. They were, but they still had compassion. It wasn't, you know, they recognized that things were worse than that, but the idea of of this reaction to having had fortunate things makes you less likely to recognize, talk about, and appreciate the fortunate things for what they are. But all three of them were almost braggy. It's at least in twenty twenty one. It struck me as braggy that the, the way that they talked about the positive things in their life. Oh, what a wonderful husband and a perfect marriage that we had. And you would never say that to you. Well, we have our problems. Obviously, you have to constantly acknowledge that things aren't so good, so that you can fit in with what feels like a society that is increasingly uh, not just including victims, but celebrating them above 
above a non-victim, if that makes sense. Does it? I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I think it, it varies person to person because I can also think of someone who, so you feel fortunate for your middle class upbringing. And when talking to people, you feel guilty about it. I know other people who are born upper class and they'll, they just genuinely seem to feel like their lot in life was not beneficial to them. They feel very self-made mm-hmm. and they're, they're also not grateful, I guess, but it's, yeah, not, yeah. it's not in the hand throwing up way. They're like, well, yeah, well, I would, yeah, I got all that, but I'm still me. I made me. I'm the reason I'm successful. It'd be stupid to credit anything else. Mm. So they almost have the opposite. So I, I think this one just varies person to person. Yeah, I guess. And I think this is one of the things that religion, even though I don't believe in the truth claims of it, gets right, which is a sense that you're being looked out for, which causes you to focus on the way that things have broken in the right direction mm-hmm. as opposed to in the wrong direction. And they all they all did mentioned something about having been lucky or things were easy like something outside of my control was good Mm -hmm. in my life uh and i think that that's a very i bet you that makes you feel really good about life and and keeps your stress down and helps you live longer yeah to just be like something out there is looking out for me because because look you know are you saying that having media that constantly (laughs) enrages us yeah is bad for us uh Yes, I think it makes me and other people forget that a, a totally valid perspective is that something's something's looking out for you, and and you can be reminded of that when you're like, look, of all the sperm that could have got there, like you landed, and like, well, yeah, we've even talked about this even beyond that. There's uh, p- people who that their quality of life, just in terms of how often they get to eat, and the fact that they have access to any technology at all, puts them in the top point oh 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 one percent luckiest people in the world but we don't that's not how humans operate we look around Mm -hmm. right so if your society if you're doing poorly relative to your society you feel badly even though someone with your exact set of circumstances but from a thousand years ago would feel like they had the luckiest life in the world yeah i don't know what to do about that but that is we've discussed it and it's it's that uh the comparative instinct is healthy within a community because if somebody else has something it's a strong indicator that you could do that. Mm-hmm. But the comparative instinct with Instagram and filters and a global community is you can't have that. That body's not real. It doesn't exist. The happiness that they're displaying is completely performative. And yeah, living in LA. They don't own this <laughs> yeah. jet. They're actually just in a studio yeah. that they rented that's a photo studio that looks yes. like a private jet. But in tribal area, if you saw some guy with a jet, it's like, there's probably more where that came from. Sure. <laughs> I could go I could go get one of those and, and go places. It is funny living in LA. Because we, we work out on a rooftop due to COVID. And I guess there's a spot in a garage that is a influencer area. There's also an influencer mm-hmm. area in the alley by where I live. And you constantly see the fakest, the fakest moments on, on camera. There's this like smirking and like not seeing the camera. And then as soon as it's done, frown, look at it. Mm. Mm. Okay, I'll do it again. <laughs> and it's just so <laughs> obviously fake. Uh, it, it adds a degree of color that, that you don't realize if you're not an influencer territory like we are right yeah. here. Any oh, that's other a good stuff? point, actually. If you're, from, if you're from a city that doesn't have a lot of influencers or you're from a suburb, yeah. I guess you never really get to see behind the curtain. Once you see behind made. the curtain, it's so, it's so... Instagram loses all of its allure and appeal. Every time you see a beautiful person posing at the beach, you just know that before and after they were frowning. Well, you've, you you can also imagine what it took to get that angle. So you'll see a lot of the guys, the boyfriends, like <laughs> laying on the ground, like trying to get that low angle it's shot. So good, so funny. So it you can you can just imagine the camera, and I think the same thing occurs. WandaVision has an interesting moment where the show is is set as it's a variety of different decades television shows, but at one point you see the cameras. And I think that, yeah, similarly, a lot of people didn't realize that those shows were just cutouts of houses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you step back, it's totally fake. And the same thing with Avengers is like, if it's not on camera, it's not there. Yeah. This, this place is entirely artificial. I watched a video of a guy who was talking about the body transformations that they go through and the fact that in Captain America, we all know that, that what was his name? Chris Evans was digitally made to look smaller, but we never question if he was digitally made to look larger. Yeah. At any point. <laughs> it's just like, maybe, maybe not. He was certainly oiled beyond all thing and he got his pump on right before and they took a low angle shot. And yeah. 
and uh, it's interesting. It was just it was just a funny moment. I was like, yeah, never occurred to me that they might have just pumped them up because they shrunk them down for the first thirty minutes. Sure, or or even when you find out their their sizes. I mean, I thought I thought Chris Hemsworth was six five, two hundred and fifty pounds, mm-hmm. freak of nature. He's still big. He's six. He's six two, two twenty. He's six three. I know people that size. Yeah, yeah. And it's great. He's a very he's a good looking muscle guy. This isn't to take away from it. He's just, a great looking guy, dude. He's, I know. He's ridiculous. I'm just, I'm just saying when you uh, when you see it on camera, you think he's a, oh what a perfect casting. He's a god. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could see him walking down the beach holding a surfboard, and you would just go, oh, yeah, that's a, a good looking guy amongst. All the people that look like this in Australia or yeah. LA. Yeah. But he's special, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that sincerely. Uh he is because he's got a he's got a really good personality. Yeah. Or interviews well. Who knows? Again, those are those are who knows what goes on behind the camera. True. Could beat his wife. So one other thing that I mentioned to you, but I thought it we've we've been looking into Dungeons and Dragons. And mm-hmm. so we've we've played a couple games. We're learning the rules and all that sort of thing. If it'll work, I don't know. But there's a show called Critical Role, mm-hmm. which has been on now for a couple of years. And I I've just been really impressed as I dug into what they did. I mentioned to Ben, but I'll just call out the opposite of what I mentioned before, which is it seems like a group of artists and people that are really trying to do good stuff. Mm-hmm. And they they have a business they do make money but they just they do such care goes into everything and i and i think that this is something particular to creative people where like the set is really well designed and they invest a lot of money up front and they wanted to make a cartoon of their campaign and instead of doing the simplest version which is like one shot not highly animated cheap. They went for the most expensive version that is like a lot more live action-y and super cool. And I, I don't know. I just, I looked at their stuff. I was like, this is this is a company and a group of people that I, I admire the way that they do things and the attention to detail and craft. That's all. Yeah, I'd love to talk to them. I'm curious how much they work. I'm curious if they feel like it's work or if they like it. Everyone I know who has started doing something as a passion, once it becomes your job, yeah. it becomes work making YouTube videos, playing professional a professional sport. The the love of the game has gone away for, I think, literally everyone that I know. I might be forgetting one person. Once it became their primary means of income. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love to talk to these people who I agree, they're artists. They're not, I don't think, MBA type people. Is that true for them or is it different for them? Have, do you love this? Do you hate it? Do you love parts and hate parts? Do you ever want to just take a week off, but you can't because mm-hmm. there's fans waiting for a live stream? I'm sure. I'm sure. I would love to talk to them because from the outside, it looks very admirable. They're very passionate. I told you one of the I watched an episode for two hours. Nothing happens, but they're laughing the whole time. They're just laughing at each other's accents. They There seems to be a self-amusement and a love of the game there, but I do also know that most people that turn passions into financial projects there's a, there's a devil to that yeah so i would love to talk to them yeah so if, if, if we do make <laughs> if we do make it happen i don't want to make money off it <laughs> you know? oh if we start streaming D with guests well we i don't we've we've also discussed this and now this little bit of announcements here so we've played a couple games of D. We're learning what it takes to be good players. We're learning what it takes to be interesting. We're not nearly as interesting as they are, I would say. To watch yet? To watch. No, no not even We're close. We're not ready for prime time. Definitely not ready to show anybody anything. But one of the things that I realize, and you, or I guess you realize, is that you can't bring on guests to play such a complicated game. Mm-hmm. You have to play with people that at least have played once before, understand the basics. I want to clarify. You can bring on guests. You can't bring on people who have never played. Yeah. So if Daniel Sloss is the, was the inspiration for this because he said he started playing and he loves the game, if he came on, we could play because he yep. knows the rules. But it's very slow and boring to watch when someone is learning for the first time. Mm-hmm. But if we could find two, if we could find the Ben Shapiro and the Sam Harris that also know D&D, <laughs> could be quite fun for people to watch. Yeah, so we'll see. We're working on that. Anything else you've got? I think fan questions. Let me see if I had one other thing. I do have a random question, actually, which I was going to ask off air, but I'll just ask it now. Sure. Why are you a druid? Why? Yeah, what drew you to it? I'm just curious. I I wanted to have to make decisions that were not clear. So there's a variety of classes in the game, and it appears that there's one class called the Barbarian. And it's like, what do you do? 
I rage and attack mm -hmm. is is your decision throughout the game. Pretty straightforward decision tree. Yes, it's just do I attack or don't I? Mm -hmm. And it's <laughs> yes or no. And with a druid, you can turn into an animal or cast a spell or uh, turn into an animal and run away. And so there's or heal. And so there's a lot of uh, complex decision making where there's there's a complex series of trade offs. Mm. And, and you that. wanted the chance to do something complicated or have optionality. I wanted to be able to lose or to be able to rescue a situation based on good play. Being clever. Yeah, that's why. Just curious. I'm sure someone has analyzed you know, what, why people pick what they pick and how it says things about the rest of their life. I, I'm went, sure, I went lowest charisma possible. I'm, so. No, but I'm saying I'm sure that's <laughs> reflects in your life somehow. Like maybe you learned charisma because you thought that it would give you the chance to rescue situations or not mm -hmm. based on yourself, based on the ability to bet on yourself to be clever and win a situation, whether it's a job or a dating or something. I'm yeah. sure there's parallels. Well, you, we've picked a couple different characters. So I don't, I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wanted to know the thought process. I don't think Druid is the answer. I was why just did curious. You, why did you pick yours? I just fell in love with one concept. So I, he, there's this, a warlock. There's a bunch of stuff about them, but they just have the ability to um, do illusions on command, whereas other people have limited spell slots. They can just change their appearance at mm. will. And there's a feat you can pick where you can mimic anyone. And I just like that combo. So I'm going to not use it for three <laughs> sessions in a row, but I'm just waiting for the day where I can do that. Be someone and else and talk your way into a secret place. Yeah, or, we have to get in. You know, you can you can yeah. just talk your way through to the king instead of having to fight your way through. Or you can pretend to be the king and order the army I was out gonna, so that you can. That was my second pick, by the way. Was, Warlock? No, something based on illusion. Mm. And I and again, it's the creative problem solving. Yeah, yeah. Is I don't it's not just attack, but it's walk up to this person pretending to be who? Well, you could be their wife, you could be their friend, you could be their this, you could be their boss, you know, like yeah, that, yeah. that sort of, I don't know what the right answer is, but there might be a brilliant, perfect solution here. I like that. I was thinking about this last night. I, uh, I'm kind of addicted to, this isn't the same thing, to learning new meta breaking information. Hmm. Like I love, like I enjoyed watching this Daniel Schmachtenberger because what, what bores me is. The Republicans are right or the Democrats are right. And what I like is like, they're both wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and let's break, let's break the whole game. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I, I love things that cut the Gordian knot. The, mm. story, the story of the Gordian knot is people are trying to untie it. They can't untie it. And then all of a sudden one dude, I think it was Oedipus or me, I don't know, cuts it. And so it's like problem solving that is simple, elegant, and does away with all the difficulties of, of, how it appeared to do so i think that's a good example of one which is like we won't fight I'll yeah, just, yeah i'll just pretend to be his wife calling him home <laughs> and, and we'll get the fuck out of here yeah um cool questions justin why'd you pick to be a rogue i like one-shotting people <laughs> justin has picked the same character we played consistently we played good. three times everybody's mixed it up justin has been the same i sneak behind him <laughs> yeah he knows who he wants to be man i yeah. stab him in the back also shout out to justin and charlie for hard carrying in uh, league of legends last night well done boys it's a big it's a big game uh first one is hey guys this past monday was my 24th birthday and of the eight or so people i've considered my closest friends not one reached out to me to say happy birthday uh, it's brought me a level of hurt and sadness I truly don't know if I felt before. How would you go about moving forward from something like this? And what lessons should be taken? What philosophies should one adopt, etc.? You want to start? Sure. Uh, this would not be particularly upsetting to me because I would assume that they just didn't know it was my birthday. So I guess that's a worldview or a... That's part of our age because we grew up before Facebook and then we went to college. And so I watched my world transform from no one knows when my birthday is except for my parents to yeah. my extended friends at college are commenting on my Facebook wall in my freshman year. But also we're old. I, I went six weeks without logging on to Facebook. I logged on today and a friend had asked. I was like, dude, you can't message me here. <laughs> oh, I just so, meant I just meant I, I, I there was a period in my life that this was nobody said happy birthday. Yes, my birthday. but I'm saying I assume the people closest to me also might not be using Facebook and they might not have my birthday in their calendar. Yeah. So, yeah, this is I wouldn't take it personally. 
and I don't know if that's the right answer or not. Maybe they all knew it was your birthday and decided not to reach out to you. But if they are your close friends, that I would guess they either didn't know it was your birthday or didn't think it was important to reach out if they're your close friends. Because I imagine if they knew it was your birthday and knew a text message meant a lot to you, mm-hmm. they would have sent it. Yeah. So I wouldn't. I would just assume one of those two things if it were me. So what Ben is saying is that this could be a quote unquote love languages thing where your love language is this person knows it's your birthday and they say something about it. But the question with love languages, have you communicated that to people? Because that is not a universal love language. And as Ben is saying, it's not necessarily his and Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily mine. So I do think there's a degree of uh, or just a question to ask yourself is, uh, did you let them know that it's important to you? Did you did you let them know that you would like to do something or go somewhere? Uh, because I think that there can be an expectation that people mm-hmm. should do certain things for you, whether it's birthday or cook dinner or invite you to places. And it's not universally known or shared. So I would to, to just echo what Ben's saying. It, it not isn't necessarily a reflection of the diminished quality of your friendship. Well, yeah, I also, when I first moved here, I just wanted an excuse to gather people because I first moved to LA. So I told people, hey, it's my birthday and I'm having an event. And I think like 30 people showed up, Mm -hmm. people I was just acquaintances with. They haven't reached out to me since. If Mm -hmm. I told them it was happening again, though, they would show up. So yeah, people, I think those, I guess it's just reiterating, like if if you want to make your birthday a thing, you can make it a thing and have an event and tell people. And then if your close friends don't come and they don't tell you they're not coming, maybe that's a separate issue. Sure. But- yeah, it's um, in general, there's a book about nice guys and I forget the title, which is a shame because it's really good. No more Mr. Nice Guy. It talks about covert contracts yeah. and the idea that you shouldn't have an unspoken expectation that you place on someone else and then are disappointed or angry when they don't deliver mm-hmm. if it's not something that you've communicated about. And that's a covert contract, something I was guilty of in my dating relationships before reading this book. So if um, it is the case that you spoke about it and they didn't, then this is a different is a different sure. answer that we, we would give. Yeah, yeah. Because at that point, it's you had the requisite knowledge, the requisite understanding. I made a request and you denied, forgot. Yeah, I'd have a totally different answer. It. I'd have a totally different answer if you said I was throwing a birthday party <laughs> and I invited eight people and I told them it was important to me and none yeah. of them showed up. So what you might do is you're like, I feel really bad. I'm feeling un- unappreciated. What you might want to do is just kind of what Ben said. But you can do it. Hey, guys, two weeks ago was my birthday. Uh, we didn't really get together, but you guys want to go out to dinner. And just have a birthday. Have a Zoom call if you're COVID sensitive. Sure. Uh, So not to tell you, I I don't want this to be boiled down to don't be so sensitive. It's reflect on if you've given the people in your life the information necessary for them to do it. Or if you had one of these COVID covert contracts where you just expected people to understand because there's certainly people like myself that I don't know when the last time I said happy birthday. I mean, (laughs) it's been a long time unless it's someone's party. At which point I go, happy birthday. Sure. So. Yeah, my lesson isn't don't be, my takeaway wouldn't be don't be so sensitive. It would be uh, don't assume that there was malice or even knowledge from these people. Birthdays mean very different things to different people. Yeah. So. Cool. Next is, my parents don't see the point in YouTube because they don't understand that it makes money. And my peers think that YouTube is amazing because of the fame and riches. Personally, I've enjoyed making videos for many years, but I'm hesitant to entirely devote myself to it because I don't want to disregard my academic and personal growth opportunities. Uh, I'm not sure where to go from here, but I'm currently leaning towards just quitting YouTube entirely and focusing single-mindedly on school and sports. This person's in high school, by the way, and um, they say, basically, I feel like I'm seeing my life through the lens of the advice of people I don't agree with or necessarily want to have the same lifestyle as. Do you have any advice? There was a lot of questions within that yeah, yeah. question. Um, should we just go one at a time? Just go through it linearly? You'd like, yeah. So the first one, my parents don't see the value in YouTube. They don't realize it's a mechanism for making money. That is okay. Because if you start to make a lot of money from it, they will come. <laughs> around. That was our experience. Now, my parents were not hyped about Chris on Command. Um, I was leaving a very good private equity job. Once Chris on Command grew, all of a sudden they realized that it had the chance to be something big. Not to say they weren't supportive, but certainly they just didn't see this. Neither did I, honestly. So your parents will come around. The results will speak for themselves. Your friends think YouTube is cool and a great way to be popular and make money. I mean, they're not wrong. Some people do. Most don't. 
generally don't do something just because your friends think it's cool. So yeah, the question is, do you like making YouTube videos and do you want to continue it? So that's how I would handle the first part. Your parents will come around if you do well. Letting your friends dictate how you spend your life is just a recipe for sadness. So then the next part is, okay, I make YouTube videos. I'm also in school. I also want to play sports. Where do I go from here? Right? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, with in high school, the pressure to fit in is strong. You've not gone out into the world. Your parents have. Their words hold a tremendous amount of value. It's interesting. My brother just did the MDMA therapy. And one of the things he mentioned after was that he felt like in high school, especially and at other times, he was just doing things to fit in. And that that pattern persisted. And he deeply regrets the times in his life where that's been the case. Mm. Uh, so fresh in my mind, and I thought I would echo that, is it's so strong in high school, the pressure to fit in. He, I mean, he told stories specific to his life, but the time that he's like, the first time I didn't was when we went to Brazil. And he was like, that was the first time that I didn't do something that I didn't want to do because it made sense. I went with you guys to Brazil and it was something I picked. Mm. So if you can avoid that regret, uh, you, st- you can still do your schoolwork. And, you know, these things are not mutually exclusive. But the question I have is, what are you most interested in? Yeah, what do you like doing? Because if you get really good at whatever it is, video editing or storytelling, these are skills that while not necessarily taught in a class in school, if you get really good at it, they become very, very valuable. Like storytelling isn't a skill that they teach in school necessarily. Super freaking valuable for marketing, for script writing, for for any kind of thing, and probably for jobs that don't yet exist. So what are you going to try to do or, or what what is most interesting to you? Carve out time, make sure that it happens, and still try to get decent grades and, and you know, play sports if, if you enjoy them as well. That's my general yeah, it would depend. If you don't like YouTube, but you're doing it because your friends laud you for it, then stop because you mm-hmm. don't like it. If you like it, but you are on the basketball team and you don't want to quit because you're afraid that they'll be social. Yeah, just do what you like and also try to do well in school. Try to set aside the desire to fit in is, is the big thing. And then what remains, you know, the, the things that truly call to you, you find fascinating and exciting. Those will be the things that you will put more effort in. You will excel and you'll build skills that transfer beyond just the basketball court or beyond just editing YouTube videos. Those will come with you to whatever it is you wind up doing in the future. Yeah. There's a flip side. We've talked about it. There's the guy that played basketball in high school, played basketball in college Mm -hmm. and turned that into a business. So he, his parents might've said basketball is a waste of time in college. You should focus on your grades. And now he's, you know, making a million dollars a year teaching basketball so that there's no, none, none is better than the other. I would try to do well in high school academically because that's just what people tend to judge you on as you graduate. Uh, but yeah, just focus on what you enjoy doing that interests you. Mm-hmm. Next is I'm currently in college living with my family and we tend to fight at least once a year. And I mean, actual fist fights with my one year younger brother and my mother. I've been thinking very seriously about it and these fights are not doing anyone any good. So I think it's best for me to move out. The issue here is that my mother pays for my university and if I become fully independent, I have no cho- no chance in paying it off myself. Uh, From what I've heard, it's better to have a degree in my country, Mexico, for employment purposes, but I really think I should leave as soon as I can. Any advice? The first thought that I had was the idea that there's no chance that you'll pay it off. I don't buy. It will be harder, but and this won't like there's someone in your position that doesn't have a mother that they're going to make it. They're going to figure it out. Will it be hard? Will they have sleepless nights? Very potentially. (laughs) Go ahead. The flip side of that is there's someone who could take over your body and prevent ever having a fist fight sure. with your brother and your mom again. Yeah. And I'm not that's not to say that it's easy. Your familiar relationships can be the hardest relationships a person has, but I would say none of this is impossible. Leaving mm-hmm. and funding your own college education is not impossible. Staying and not having a fist fight is not impossible. So, I would remove those constraints mentally and then it, and then it becomes okay, well what are you willing to do? Are you willing to work on the family relationships? Are you willing to de-escalate when the fight happens? Mm-hmm. Are you willing to work on your own emotional stuff so that you can facilitate a more Get a side house? job and earn money. Are you yeah. willing to go get another job and fund college? Yeah, you can. I guess, yeah, you can solve either of these is my yeah. short answer. And so the question is, which one? And so 
that's going to be different for different people. And of course, it's it's a different culture in Mexico than it is in the U.S. In the U.S., you're going to be more tempted. Well, I'm going to leave the house anyway, you know, in in short order. So might as well just get out now. But that might not be the case where in the area that you're from. So echoing Ben, I don't know which route is the best, but you're not locked into a fight once a year and you're not locked into I can't pay this off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, question your constraints. Yeah. And to echo once more, what what pain are you willing to suffer? Are you willing to suffer the pain of de-escalating the fight and biting your tongue and apologizing? Or are you willing to suffer the pain of not knowing exactly how you're going to pay this this loan off and having to search for jobs and take jobs that you're not excited about for a period of time? Both or either are are totally cool. <laughs> so that's that's your call. And lastly, I about four months ago, I met a girl online and we talk or play games together almost daily. Recently, she started to get more flirty and suggested sexting, but she lives together with her boyfriend. I'm very into her and we have great conversations, but I don't want to be a homewrecker. Any uh, appreciate any opinions or thoughts on this? First off, well written because that took such a turn. (laughs) Good. I did not see that coming. Well, good for you for even for even saying having the instinct. To, to not do that. So we we had this conversation at 23, 24. There was a handful mm-hmm. of opportunities where women with boyfriends were available, made themselves available in person or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we we had to discuss what to do. The ethics of it. Yeah. The ethics of it. So we had two, two things that I remember stuck with me. One of them is, let's say that you get this girl and then you date her. she gonna do it to you it's not if it's not never it's things rarely happen once is i guess what i'm I'm saying like she could not do it or she could find somebody interesting on a different game and at the best case scenario you will not trust her because how could you you would have to be blind to trust her to believe that when she's on her phone playing games out (laughs) at something that she's not open to this sort of an interaction uh which would be very different, by the way, if she said, I really like you, I'm considering breaking up with my boyfriend. That's that's then you could trust her to dump you in the event that sure. that this sort of thing happened. So that's one. And the second is uh, it seems very. It doesn't affect you because you don't know the person. And so what the question that we'd ask ourselves is, what if this was my friend or brother? Would I do this to my good friend? And the answer was no because you wouldn't want to do that. And then there was actually a third There's piece. A, the third one's the most powerful, I think. What kind of a guy do I want to be? Mm-hmm. Do I want to be a guy that is so desperate for women that he'll take what he can get in terms of home, you know, she's lying, she's this thing, she's that thing. Or do I want to be the kind of guy that goes, no, I, I have options mm-hmm. and I can get you or I can get the single person or I can get the type of girl that likes me so much and she's, you know, she's going to be honest with her boyfriend and say I've fallen in love with someone else and I want to date them. Uh, if you let her text you, engage in that, you're saying I am the kind of guy that doesn't have options. This is the best I can do. I can't turn around, start playing a new game, strike up a new conversation and potentially meet someone better. And by the way, Charlie and I have a worldview, which is you can make yourself more attractive physically and personality wise tremendously. So you may think you don't have options now, but this is this was the question for me because I wasn't always someone that did well with women is, are you going to be the kind of guy that takes what they can get, does something that you know isn't right, hurts another person in the process because you're so desperate for female attention? Or are you going to be the kind of person that just makes yourself so attractive that you have options all the time and you never have to be that guy. And we would say literally that, okay, just pretend she she sent you this, but also in your text messages are three other messages from girls that you're excited to go on a date with. Who saying, don't have boyfriends. Who don't have boyfriends. And they're saying, hey, what day do you want to go? Like, what would you do in that circumstance of abundance? Yeah, you get four texts. One yeah. of them says, by the way, I have a boyfriend, but I want to send you nudes. And the other three say, I'm single. Hey, it was, it was cool meeting you the you. other day. Like, I would love to hang out sometime. Mm-hmm. And you, you go, well, I'm just going to tell her no thanks and I wish her the best. And then I'm going to, go you know on a walking date or something like that and then we spent many years trying to make that a reality (laughs) yeah (laughs) cool i hope that helps is that it yep that's the last one i had perfect all right we're gonna hop over to patreon 
To all of our patrons, we love you. If you're not yet a patron, we do, I think, another hour or so on Patreon. So please consider coming over. It means a ton to the cast and it helps uh, it helps the D&D games happen. Yeah. But all, <laughs> all the money goes towards the podcast. So that's either Justin or the equipment or these and, one and, shot And D&D no longer things. the d We're actually going to, I think, probably start doing it if we don't have future plans to incorporate D&D into the podcast. So right now that's in an iffy thing. Yeah. But you're, you're paying for the podcast if you're, if you're yeah, on Yeah, Charlie Patreon. and I don't take money from it. And... You're guaranteed to get a question answered at least once a month. Yes. So if you're not there, we hope to see you there. And uh, for those of you who are, we're going to hop over now. Peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.